Hello everybody, this is Caleb, better known as Blandco on the internet. I am here with another Improvocast podcast. Joining me today, my guest, Ian Sharp, stand-up comedian, better dungeon master than Matt Mercer, Brew Chat podcast, in cast we trust podcast, Boomer Means podcast, adventure fight, real play D&D. Ugh, Ian, you, okay, you, you have too many projects. I <laughs> I will just link your link tree in the description. Is that okay? Yeah, that's the easiest way to do it. I figured out. Yeah. So let's talk briefly about the, the weird Matt Mercer thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was random. So um, it kind of last week, um, So I, my, my roommate is a really big wrestling fan, and I like to hang out. I don't, I, don't lo- I don't love wrestling, but I have fun hanging out with friends and watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we tend to crack open some cold ones, and I got a few drinks in me. And my um, just like earlier this year, my three-year-long D&D campaign had ended, and everybody had kind of gone their separate ways, and I was trying to recruit back up to a new game, and I was, I've been having a hard time doing it. And uh, I just thought it'd be cute to throw out a snide little remark on the internet that said, like, hey, uh, still looking for players for my D&D game. Uh, I'm a better DM than Matt Mercer. Ask him. He'll tell you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had like 500 followers. I think at the time, like 400 followers. So it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like I didn't think it was going to ever get to his ears. But my roommate, also being a comedian and a pesky fellow, uh, just <laughs> he, he commented low bar and then tagged him. Uh, and then I went to bed shortly thereafter and I wake up the next morning and apparently, uh, Matt Mercer saw that and (laughs) just replied, he is. (laughs) And it, my Twitter feed exploded. Uh, and it's been, it's still, I'll still randomly get likes on that tweet. Um, it's, uh, I've had. You know, uh, apparently all of D&D Twitter wants to play D&D with me now, but I guess getting the the Matt Mercer endorsements, uh, nothing to, to be shy about. Yeah, I I think he is just one of those guys that still, like, checks his Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and it's just, I, I cannot believe he does so, considering just the sheer amount of stuff. So, I, I don't know. I think he's just one of those guys who just checks his Twitter and just tries to, to interact as much as he can, I guess. Part of me thinks that he knows what he did, though. I think he knew that, like, hey, this guy thinks he wants he can he can be me. I'll I'll just do a little comment here and set his Twitter on fire for two days, and he'll see what it's like. Uh, which, hey, fair, fair. It's a very fair thing. Well, I'm I, you know I. I, I'll, I'll show my age. I'm 38. Uh, I came up more in the MySpace days, but that, that, that was kind of my training for being, I guess, what, what they call like um, overly online people. I, I'm definitely one of those, so I, I, I can relate to that. I don't think I, I mean, again, that much attention, I imagine it's hard to, uh, you know, if, that was just a couple days, really. It's, yeah. it's really mostly slowed down well, now, but like. Twitter, Twitter's weird. Like, there's some weird cutoff thing, like. Uh, I, the, the only thing that I've ever gone viral on Twitter was just uh, the uh, the 20-foot uh, Halloween skeleton thing. Wine Mom Twitter, I guess it would be called. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I also had another, uh, and I, I wonder if it's partially because of this, like it made it enough around where I, like, some of the buzz is still going, but I uh, replied to something Matt Colville had tweeted, and he, he responded back to that, and it's still kind of getting a little bit, nowhere near as big as the, the Mercer one, but uh, <laughs> he, he was talking about getting you know people picking on him for things he, he used to wear all the time. It's like, doesn't matter what I wear, people will make fun of it. And I was like, well, wear a monocle. And, <laughs> I, you know, so it makes me wonder if now I've got this sort of weird lane of, like, lightly roasting D&D celebrities. And yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I can ride that for a little while. You could. 
could. I mean, it's weird how the Twitter algorithm and all these weird like things are just they're bizarre. Like with Twitter, I've uh, I've learned that like you can't use a YouTube link anymore in a tweet. Uh, nobody will see it. Like you uh, just you have to just talk about the you have to basically if you want to promote a YouTube video, you just have to talk about it and then show like an image. But if you have an actual link to YouTube, Twitter will bury that and nobody that's following you will generally see that unless they click on their pro on your profile and scroll down to all your tweets. Yeah, that's it's weird. I, I remember when Facebook did that, too, because they uh, they had they, they wanted to do, make their own like video platform and they didn't want to. They, they, so they, they made it so that if you posted a YouTube link, it would get buried. But if you uploaded the video to Facebook, it would get shared like way, way, yeah. way more. Well, they, act, they actually changed it a little bit in recent years. So it's a little bit more forgiving. You can't have the YouTube uh, link as the uh, the image. So if you have just a static image and then add a YouTube link to the text of the Facebook, that will still get seen. But if you just have the YouTube link and that becomes the active image below your Facebook post, that won't. It's uh. it's it's so it's all all this stuff is very bizarre. I think uh, people are trying to do the thing where they're trying to keep you in one place for as long as possible, which I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people who use the internet who literally just use Facebook now and never venture off the platform. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually quit Facebook a couple years ago. It got too volatile, but uh, I'm still, I'm act, I, I, I've tried to beg as many people as I can. It's like, just come to Discord and we'll chat there. Or like, you know, I use, I, I never really used Twitter before uh, I left Facebook and it's kind of picked up more, more, especially through 2020 and stuff. But yeah, Instagram's kind of my main one now, I guess, but. Because it's just light. It's just pictures, and you don't have to really do too much. Yeah, I keep on forgetting to upload stuff to that, but it is nice when you have a nice image of something cool that, like, you know, it, then you realize, oh, I could post this on an Instagram. And, like, you know, it's just a fun to scroll on through and see what everybody's doing, so... Yeah, I was watching. Um, do you know, do you do you know who uh, what Channel Five News is? It used to be called All Gas No Breaks, but it's this guy who does uh, weird journalism YouTube stuff. But uh, I, I've been watching some podcasts that he's on, and he was talking about like, you know, and I you know I already said my age. I'm 38, uh, but he was saying that basically like Facebook now is the parents' social media, and then Instagram's starting. It's about to be the grandparents' social media, and Instagram's <laughs> about to be the parents' social media. And if you really want to reach the kids these days you got to be on tiktok i know i do i do puppet stuff for uh various projects and i was helping to promote a uh, public library and so somebody said i need to get a tiktok for my puppet and it's just like ah I, uh, it's it seems wrong i i i've been experimenting with the uh the youtube shorts which is the answer to tiktok that they're trying to come up with uh so i did the uh the puppet D &D, uh puns for that one um and that was interesting <laughs> but uh yeah it's just it's it does require like work to do that and now there's the phone thing now that which is basically i assume i've never used tiktok so i'm assuming it's a lot like tiktok so you can make like nice little quick videos and use like copyrighted music in it uh through youtube so it's bizarre years of Fighting copyrighted music. Now they're telling you, "Hey, use copyrighted music in your videos." Right. I want. It makes me wonder with like the that you know the TikTok format kind of taken off, and I guess it really started with the Snapchat. If they're going to start eventually like making content and selling TVs that sit upright, so it's in that that same aspect ratio. Um, 
I don't know. That'd be weird, but it's you know you never know what the future holds. <laughs> I I just don't. I I don't get it. I mean, they YouTube pretty much destroyed like short content. Because YouTube used to be all about, like, short content, like, for, like, from animators. But now, like, they, they purposely, like, stamped that out. And now they're going back to, like, this short content again. And it's just, like, <laughs> they, I don't know. It, it, it just seems like a lot of, like, two steps forward, one step back. I mean, I think we are starting to, like, kind of the, the way this conversation's been, we've been dropping so many different platforms. I think we are getting into a more diverse landscape than it used to be. Because I remember a few years ago, it just felt like everyone did everything on Facebook. And now mm -hmm. it's now it's kind of uh, split up a bit more. Well, I mean, it's just like, like I said, I'm... I'm I'm trying everything and seeing if what sticks. You know what's the weird one that I've just started? I don't know how I don't know how interesting this top is gonna be. So we'll talk about this last thing and then go on to other D and D related topics. But I've been doing the R pan thing on my most hated website, Reddit. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. R pan. I... Do you know? Have you ever heard of that before? No, I haven't. Uh, R pan is the streaming service through Reddit. So it is now set up so you can do streams with your phone or your computer, and it kind of shows up in the main Reddit feed or in certain uh, certain specific Reddit subreddits. I have seen those, but I just assumed it was like an ad that it was thrown at me. I didn't know that it was um, like a... I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I didn't... It's I... hilarious. It literally went through the evolution of like streaming stuff. There's no algorithm to it yet, so the cream actually gets a chance to rise to the top. And I've had uh, streams on there where I've been doing the uh, improv D&D games, where I do a very loose... Uh, it, it's, it's very similar to uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon, where the Twitch chat got to control the Pokemon game. Uh, in this one, the chat gets to control the D&D game. That's pretty cool. And nice. I, I'm actually really surprised uh, some of the creative stuff that people come up with in terms of, you know, and you, you can see the good ideas when the chat really gets going. You can still kind of pick out the good ideas and stuff. So I, I've done a bunch of streams like that. I'm going to do another uh, big one on Wednesday because uh, that's when the RPAN's going. So Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to check that out for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I, I've done games like that on uh, YouTube. And I think I might try that on Twitch as well, because uh, it, it's something that people have get a kick out of, you know? Yeah, I've, I've thought about getting into Twitch. We did a, um, so the Adventure Fight podcast that, that uh, I'm doing, it's, uh, it hasn't come out yet. It's, it's coming soon, very soon. Uh, but we, it started as a live show, and uh, we did one of them on Twitch during the pandemic, because obviously, you know, it was hard to book a venue at that time, but... Uh, our, our sort of gimmick was we um, all the in, it's we get a bunch of comics to play D and D. A lot of them have never even you know touched dice before, so it's they have a lot of fun with it. You know, it's you get a lot more creativity out of that type, mm -hmm. and um, and then we'd pull people out of the crowd to be the NPCs and give them a quick little card of things they can do and suggestions for things they might say, and then see what goes. And it's usually a great time, but. Hopefully, hopefully we get to do that again, and we've started kind of doing uh, cons, so hopefully we can tour the con circuit with that. Yeah, there's a local group here that does like the improv D and D stuff, which is does have crowd participation, but they do roll dice and uh, they basically do an improv story uh, based on D and D stuff. Um, it's it was very interesting. The crowd was into it. All right. Well, let's hey, let's uh, it's already been a little bit, but uh, let us talk about some random D&D &D topics. 
so I just have a list here. Uh, unless there's something uh, you want to bring up from the previous conversation? Um, not, not off the top of my head, so uh, you th- throw it at me. All right. Uh, weird, inexplicable things that happened in D&D games. Uh, I have one forming in my head. Do you have an example of something just very inexplicable that happened with your D&D games? And I think this is going uh, something either like a dungeon master did or a player did that did, did just kind of seemed out there in terms of like why is this happening in a board game? Um, gosh, uh, <laughs> let me let me think about that one for a second. My uh, my friend uh, who played the wizard in my last campaign um, um, made sweet love to a dragon. But he wouldn't. Have, <laughs> it, it wasn't the bard, so it wasn't the trope. But, but he, he he definitely did. I don't think he knew it was a dragon at the time because it was shape shifted into a person, and then mm. found out later. Um, that's that's that was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's with that stuff I like I role play up to a certain point and then fade to black. <laughs> yeah, you you kind of have to at that point. Here's here's one thing. So I went to join a D&D game and this was a couple of years ago. It's a local thing. It was advertised on like meetup.com or something. So the it was basically just like one other person showed up uh, and it was supposed to be like, you know, five people. So that was kind of a, you know, a kind of a big red flag. But what had happened is, like, it was the exact sort of D&D that I don't like, where, like, it was power gaming to a level of which I... what What is the point? Basically, a character designed to be really, really good at, like, healing and doing specific spells and, like, you know, all the the cheaty things you can do to create a character and use alternative rules and use homebrew... And basically make a character who's, like, uber-powerful. But the guy put all this effort into this character and, like, literally didn't have basic equipment. So it was just this weird thing of, like, I I didn't have any, like, rope. I didn't have, like, a, a weapon. I, I I didn't I there was there's some stuff on my character sheet but like literally the way I play D&D like I always like using creative solutions and stuff and like I'm literally trying to like in the game like try to find stuff to use because like my character was just like just so good at like two things but completely useless at like everything else. Yeah. Oh, I I feel that on a deep level. <laughs> yeah, it's I, just uh... I've gotten more into like the old school kind of games. Uh, I play a lot of more. I, I think it's Mork Borge or Merk Borge, um, which is kind of like it's not an old school game, but it's it's very like that OSR kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's you know it, it, the whole point. And my my roommate runs a lot of Dungeon Crawl Classics, and both of those games are really good at having like everyone starts off underpowered and you have to be creative because your character has like a pitchfork and that's their only weapon. Mm-hmm. So. So uh, it, I really like forcing that sort of stuff um, as much as possible. Like I'd rather, I almost like even if everyone else is playing with like you know deep characters, they put a lot of thought into. I almost now always want to randomly roll and just decide who my character is along the way. Yeah, you know DM Scotty and uh, the DMG Garrett, uh, they actually uh, were talking about that in a video recently, where they're like, you know you. It's a good idea to like kind of see as the game progresses 
what your character is going to be and just sort of let the experience of the game help mold your character rather than coming in there with a character who's like 100% completely formed. Yeah, I have a I have a challenge I'm going to pitch to my next group, and I, I don't know if it's going to work. So don't don't take this as advice. This is just a, a weird experiment I'm going to do. But I'm going to be like, for your backstory, just do four quick bullet points, and then you can add to those every session. You can add one or two every session, but they have to come up in game. Mm. And it and it's it, it it does add that sort of improv like yes and kind of element to it. But that's like also I'm going to kind of do that with the setting too, where it's like we start in a small area and we don't really know like is, is the dungeon master. I don't know what's beyond the forest but i'll figure it out when the characters decide to go there mm. yeah i i've tried all sorts of interesting that seems very like uh that seems doable it, the way i think the way they described it was the the characters are railroading themselves <laughs> yeah and yeah. uh that, i like that approach a lot uh i've tried some here's something that i tried that didn't work uh i tried doing a dungeon crawl where uh, all the characters had information and secretly all the characters were working against each other during the game. Uh, and that, that did not work out well. Yeah, I, I tried to do a secrets thing where it was like... Um... So the, the, the way the way we did it was we played through one of the published modules. It was the Princess of the Apocalypse. And then when it after it was over, you know, we took a little break and then we came back and I was like, all right, there's going to be like a 10 year time gap. And you guys have all gone and done your own things for about 10 years. And the new adventure is going to bring you all back together. Um, and I gave each of them a sort of secret that gave that each one of those had its own kind of plot thread that if they were to bring up with the, and, and I, I also, are you, oh, oh, sorry, I'm stuttering over my words, but I said, don't even necessarily think of it as a secret. It's just something that you know that everyone else doesn't. And like, I kept dropping hints like, hey, remember, you've got those secrets. You've got those secrets. And no one wanted to bring them up at all. No one was excited to talk about this stuff that only their character knew. And I was yeah. like, oh, man. So, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm going to try that again. <laughs> Like what you were describing is more like this, the uh, secrets in the uh, Rime of the Frostbane book. That's definitely where I got the idea, yeah, for sure. Which is, boy, some of those are just game breaking. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I, I guess that's a certain type of game where, like, just this character will just suddenly die horrifically in the middle of a, like a dramatic part of the game. Oh, here's an interesting one that somebody suggested. Uh, have you ever used an animal encounter in the real world as part of uh, your D&D game adventure? Uh, my example that uh, I think of right away is that I was walking through the woods once after uh, doing some logging, and I walked over a log, and it was a tiny baby deer uh, hidden behind the log. And I saw that fawn, and it was like, oh my god. And then I was like, so then I used that to create a scenario uh, years later where uh, the PCs can find a baby disenchanter beast in the middle of the woods as a random encounter. And some interesting stuff could happen uh, because of that. <laughs> and uh, that definitely was based completely because it with you know you don't really know what it is when you first see it. You just see something that's just like very small. And then you realize what it is, and it just it sort of just takes you by surprise. So that's 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 one instance where I put something uh, from an animal encounter into my D and D game. Um, 
it's not really that. I have I have a similar. Well, a, a, the closest thing I can think of off the top of my head was um, my former roommate had two cats, and one of them was it was shaped like a potato. It was a very large cat. Um, super adorable. If you picked her up like a baby, she would like kind of cry like a baby. And it was, it, you know, it, it was sad because you don't want to upset her too much, but it's like also it's so cute that like everyone had to do it once or twice every time they came over. It's like that poor thing. But uh, my uh, my now present roommate loved that cat so much that uh, when he took, when his wizard, the same one that, that hooked up with the dragon, uh, he took on a familiar, he decided his familiar was going to be a Tressum and it was going to be that cat, but with tiny little wings. <laughs> and it's... And it still could fly fine, but it would like struggle, <laughs> and like you'd see it droop down every like few few flutters. I always include flying uh, the Tressum flying cats in my game, and uh, one person who was doing a bunch of dungeon crawls was like wondering, like, oh, there must be some deeper purpose. Uh, we always see these flying cats; it must mean something. <laughs> like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to ruin the moment because it's just like, no, I just really like the flying cats. I, I found cats are bait. Like if you throw a cat in there, the players are going to interact with it. They're going to they're going to have stuff to do with it. I wanted my players to interact with like an imp and so, like that was a messenger from hell and uh, or the, the hells. And it was going to come up. And so I just like, oh, I'll just make it a cat and everyone want to pet it and interact with it. Mm-hmm. And then it, they'll, they'll adopt it and take it home. And then they'll as soon as it's in the house, it like appears as like, hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good thing. I, I, I don't think anybody really interacted with the cats. I always assume that some druid is going to do the thing where they're going to try to talk to animals and stuff, but uh, it, it just never seems to work out like that. Uh, we already touched on this, uh, but uh, other RPG systems that you enjoy. Uh, let me say that I originally started out with... The advanced D&D expert rules, which uh, somebody managed to con out of me, even though, like, you know, I grew up, uh, that was pretty much the only D&D thing I would have for, like, my entire life until I went to college and some little jerk kid managed to talk me out of it. Uh, so I had the uh, I had the expert rulebook starter set uh, with the Dinosaur Island, which is the, I forget the name of the... Anyways, it was very interesting. I started off with that, never ran a game, never played a game. And then when I started actually running games, it was with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 2nd Edition. An excellent game. Uh, it was very, very fun. Uh, I I played some Star Wars stuff from Fantasy Flight, which was okay. And uh, some Pathfinder stuff. Also pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, it's been mostly 5e. Oh, of course, uh, there was some... There was some uh, many hours wasted in 4E combat, uh, and then uh, and then basically it's been 5E since then. Yeah, I uh, I got my start with uh, Shadowrun uh, Second Edition. I had a bunch of Shadowrun books as a kid. Once again, I don't. I, I think my parents probably threw them away. I don't even know what edition they were, but it's, it was such such a cool setting for that game. Yeah, I I, I loved it. Um, I mean, it was my you know obviously my introduction, and and uh, it just. I had I had no idea. I'd heard of Dungeons and Dragons as like a brand, but I had never really knew what was involved in it. And what's funny is I lived within walking distance of a gaming store, and I thought it was like a toy comic book store. So I'd go in in there all the time and be just completely lost with what I was seeing and being told, "Don't touch that! Don't touch that!" I'd be like, "Okay." Uh, and so, but I didn't really know what I had at the time. I was it was it was crazy. Um, and then I go to high school, and that's where I start hearing about like 
my friends talking about this game that they're playing and they can do like anything in it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa like you do anything like, and you know, and they're like, yeah. And it's like, I want to play this. And so they invited me along. And once I understood like, oh, it's all in your imagination. You go, okay, cool, cool. And then I realized like, oh, I had a treasure trove next to me for years and didn't understand <laughs> what it was. Um, but I played that and then I uh, ran into um, or around that was around the time it transitioned into third edition. So I bought that book and started running those uh, running third edition. That was my first GM uh, experience. Um, I played second edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, with those same friends like at one sleepover. And I didn't really care for it. I didn't really like it. Um, and then I kind of quit RPGs for several years. I did other stuff. I played music and, and all this stuff. And then um, what brought me back to it was uh, I kind of I, I sort of got to where I was drinking too much and I, I knew I needed to stop that. So I quit drinking, but my friends all still like to go out to bars and I needed to trick them into staying in and drinking. So I started hosting game nights and uh, it started with board games. And then I was like, you know what you want to, you want to get into the heavier stuff. Right. <laughs> and so like I got the fifth edition Shadowrun book and I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not crazy about it. It didn't, it didn't spark joy with me. Um, I ran a, a, a few sessions of it, but it just, you know, um, and then my an, a, one person in that group was like, well, hey, come play some Pathfinder. So I played Pathfinder and was like, oh, man, this is way easier. I, I, I thought D&D &D was harder than Shadowrun. And now I realize, no, no, not at all. And uh, and then I decided I wanted to run a game. So I was like, well, you're running Pathfinder. I'll run fifth edition. And that's where I read those books and just fell in love because it was like, you know, compared to like Shat a very crunchy system okay. like Shadowrun. So you're, you're one uh, of the lucky ones then. You 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 yeah, you avoided I went, I, the uh, and again I'm sorry guys if you like fourth edition this is probably not the podcast for you but you avoided four e altogether huh yeah and I mean and don't get me wrong I like maps and minis so I probably would have had fun with four e but yeah well, I, hear it's, I hear it's very like it plays like an MMO kind of and I don't really like MMOs so exactly people complain about the whole rulings versus rules thing I've seen where it's like people want more clarity in the rules but like honestly like the way I was having to run Shadowrun was I don't have a lot of clarity of the rules, so just to keep the game going, I'm going to make a gut instinct call on the fly. Later, I'll look it up, and if I was wrong, we can correct it, if it makes sense to correct it. And that's kind of just how 5e was built, where it's just, it kind of, I think it even says in the book, just go with what works, and, and then later look it up. Don't, don't stop the game to look something up. Yeah, keep, keep the game moving. And it's such a, it's such a, like a, uh, the word gets used a lot to describe it, but it's such an elegant system where you can do that really easily with 5e. You can make just a gut like instinct. It makes sense. I don't know what the rule is offhand, but it makes sense. It would work something like that. Do you agree? The player says, yes, we go with it. I look it up later. I find out if I wasn't right, I was mostly right. Ah, oh, I, I, I just have to say one last topic. The uh, When you were talking about the old uh, uh, the stores where you go to the hobby stores and stuff, it was just so weird because I really think the satanic panic. I grew up in northern New York, which is a beautiful area uh, filled with awful human beings. And I honestly think this satanic panic was alive and well into the 90s. Oh, I, 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 I'm not sure if it ever went away, frankly. Uh, but it's just nobody I would go to these stores because my brother you know would be spoiled and they would give him like all the uh, uh, the hobby stuff and like the cars and the, the boats and stuff and 
all that stuff. So my parents would spoil the hell out of him. And I would go to these places, and you could see, like, models and stuff. But there was never any D&D stuff. There was never any board game stuff ever at any of these places. Yeah, yeah. I um, so I ca- I grew up in uh, in Tennessee, um, and so it's very very conservative still. Um, so I think there's still probably some degree of like I'm scared to talk too much about D and D at work because <laughs> I don't know like oh yeah I don't know what like some of the older people who work there are gonna think. Um, but I uh, I, I do. Uh, like yeah in the 90s like you know and i i went to to church for a little while as a kid and i remember like that's that store hearing a girl in sunday school talk about how like the little miniatures that they sell in there a friend of mine bought one and he took it home and it was made of weed <laughs> and it's like <laughs> at the time i was like whoa really and now that i'm like what made of what what games workshop is not that cool they're not that chill yeah. <laughs> yeah. a lot a lot of the stuff was like nonsensical but in public school i had a teacher tell me when i was young this was definitely before high school proper of this this wild story where somebody played D and then went out into the woods and killed a little kid and like they told this horrific story and later on, <laughs> just a couple of years ago, I found the uh, the the video because it was just a fake like scare tactic video uh, from like the some some church uh, service created this video talking about like D and D and like literally that's what happened in the video. Like this guy was playing D and D and it was all satanic and the dungeon master was like, "Your character's gonna die unless." And, like, basically the Dungeon Master told him to go kill a small child in the forest in real life. So his D&D character wouldn't die. <laughs> and uh, I included that uh, video in my uh, Satanic Panic compilation video that I made. Uh, and it's just it's just wild that, like, that some, some public school teacher, like, told a kid that. And acted like that's something that happened in the real world. Lots of horrible stuff happens in the real world. And I don't think we need to, like, make up shit. Yeah, uh, you know, I, have you ever heard of, like, those chick tracks? Those little books that are, like, comic books? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, there's one yeah. that's about D&D. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I've heard of it. I've never seen it, but... Uh, I've I've read it well. I've I've used those stills in my YouTube videos. Well, somebody somebody made a movie and used that as like the storyboard, and they filmed like yeah, a whole. Yeah, I I heard I heard they had to have it be completely serious. And I've I've watched. Well, I've, I didn't watch the movie. I kind of like clicked through it. Uh, but like literally, like they I think they sort of bamboozled the guy. Oh yeah, because because they, they did it like as a completely serious to the chick track, but they. I don't think they were serious enough. I think it would have been better if they would have, like, went in there and tried to do, like, literally a one-to-one recreation rather than, like, they included Cthulhu and a bunch of twee meme crap in there, which is just, like, I think it ruined it. I think it would have been much better if they would have just done, like, a one-to-one recreation of the trick track. Yeah, I, I never saw the movie. I just thought it was funny that they made it because that's that's the kind of stuff, like, I mean, I don't, I'm not, like, a talented filmmaker, but I, you know, it'd be funny to do. Yeah, no, they they, they did it. They actually had some production value. Well, yeah, I mean, and he, they mm. and they got him to sign off on it because I think he, he, you know, I mean, I think without that, he could have sued him probably. So. Yeah, I think I think he sort of understood what they were doing, but he just didn't care because there's enough people that like 
would still probably i'm sure he made some money off oh, of yeah. this stuff so uh have you ever seen the classic uh um tom hanks movie which i always forget the name of too um is it Ma- is, that's that's not Ma- maze mazes and yeah Monsters, yeah yes. I, i've never actually seen it but i've seen i you know i so i'm i'm also a big like metalhead so i uh <laughs> anytime satanic panic stuff comes out because that was part of it in the 80s too i it, it grabs my attention and that's that's the easy that's the easiest clickbait for me on youtube is like ooh, let's i want to see people in the 80s get mad about stuff that's pretty harmless yeah i mean that that movie is wild too because like it it, it literally had no basis on reality like, uh, like they said, it's just like this is just a detective who wanted to make some money, right? And these- yeah, and I, well, I, t- to me, and like really, what my attraction to it, like other than just, um, you know, tricking my friends to come hang out at my house, was uh, I, I also specifically wanted it to be collaborative because I got so tired of like playing online video games where it's I'm getting cussed out by 14 year olds and everything's just yeah. competitive and then you know you know you want to play a game with your friends and it's all like yeah I'm going to beat you and I'm going to win you and you suck and I'm like I don't want that I want to I want to go on a quest with my friends and accomplish something together and so mm-hmm. and so like I, I that was always kind of my goal with with uh, these kind of games and I think that's I think I think I don't think I was alone in that and I think that's kind of where some of where this like cultural zeitgeist that it's going through right now comes from where a lot of people feel like, you know what, I'm tired of fighting with my friends. I want to I want to do something awesome with my friends and be be on the same team as them. Exactly. That's the big thing. You're sitting around a table with other human beings having a collaborative experience. I think that's I think that's a good note to end on. Is there anything else you want to talk about real quick before we end this podcast recording? Um, you know, just uh, you, you mentioned my link tree. Uh, check out all that stuff. It's got my old music, which is uh, might be startling to some of you because, like I said, heavy metal and all that. And then also I mentioned religious upbringing. Some of that comes up, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I you know it is it was what it was. It made me the person I am today. So I'm, I don't look back at anything with regret. Generally, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to you know, do more content. I've got uh, three podcasts, four podcasts in the works. It's all on that link tree. That's just the easiest way to go. <laughs> yeah, and, and you are going to be starting up your in-person D&D game again. Yes, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, like I said, I ran one for three years, and it was it was, it was was a lot. <laughs> and now I'm going to kind of dial it back and do something that's more more honed in. This The last one was a big multiversal war, you know, was the ultimate threat. This one's going to be just let's save the, the area that we're in. How about that? <laughs> Excellent. Well, I want to thank my guest, Ian Sharp, for stopping in today and uh, being on the ImprovoCast. Uh, again, I'm going to be doing more of these as we go along. You all have a nice afternoon, evening, or morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast. And remember, you can find all my stuff on the internet. Just look up the word Blandco. That's the word bland, and then CO at the end. Peace.